0: Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda Davis. I'm Linda Davis. Before we dive into God's Word today, just a little about myself. I love Jesus, I love coffee, and I love sharing keys to abundant living. So if you haven't already, go grab a cup of coffee and join me today as I talk about being guarded against deception and what that looks like for us. So many times in the Word of God, we are told, do not be deceived. It's vital for us to make sure, it's on us to make sure we are not deceived. The toughest thing about being deceived, about deception overall, is that the person that is deceived is convinced they are not deceived. And even when you're speaking truth to someone who is deceived, they cannot see the truth through their deception. That's the toughest thing that I have seen over the years in people being deceived and trying to talk to them and expose their deception with truth. It's so difficult and so vital that we guard ourselves against it. No one is above deception. In Matthew 24, it warns us that there will be false messiahs. There will be false prophets. So what what can we relate that? There will be false truths and they will perform great signs. We can be following a false truth, even if it's our own thought process that can seemingly present a buffet table in front of us that we have always desired. And it's nothing but a ploy of the enemy to get us off into deception, to get us off track, to get us out of God's truth. And the consequences and the impact of that is far reaching. And the devil knows it. And that's why he works hard at it. That's why 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us, that he's gonna roam around like a roaring lion looking to devour us. He is not going to announce his arrival. A lion will at least roar and you'll know they're in the neighborhood, so to speak, but that's not how the enemy works. He's roaming around like that. He's seeking to devour, yes. and that In the beginning of that first Peter 5, 8, it tells us to be alert to be sober, to be vigilant, right? It it actually, uh, one of the translations, it says to be self-controlled and alert. And that's where we miss it sometimes. We are not self-controlled. We decide to delve into our desires justified somehow in our thought process that it's okay with God and we have now started down the path of deception. And I promise you, the bill at the end of that road will be much higher than we ever anticipated. We have to be guarded. Do not be deceived. Small compromises because of our wants, our desires, and all of us have fleshly wants and fleshly desires. So nobody can sit and say, well, you don't understand. You don't know. Everybody, ha- everybody has this battle inside of themselves that scripture tells us about where our flesh is warring against our spirit. Consistently, this goes on with everyone. Nobody is above this battle. It's actually in Galatians chapter 5. Verse 17, and it says, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. So if we just say, well, I just wanted it, God gave me this desire, Uh, maybe, maybe not, depending on the desire, but maybe, depending on the desire, but it has to be in His way and in His timing. It cannot be, oh, well, I want what I want and I'm just going to do what I want and God's going to bless it. That's not how it works. That's not how God functions. Obedience matters to God. Purity matters to God. Holiness matters to God. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation has a strain of holiness, has a strain of obedience, has a strain of um, uh, submitting, has a strain of purity that matters. And we're going to get into a lot of scriptures that confirm that today. So back to this Galatians five seventeen for a moment, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another and whichever desire we feed is the desire that grows. If we're feeding the spirit, the spirit will rule and reign our thoughts, our decisions, our actions. If we are feeding the flesh with an oh well attitude, then the flesh will rule our thoughts, our decisions, and our actions. Small compromises because of our wants and our desires lead us to a place of deception, a place we never thought we would be in, a place that Other people never thought we would be, and I'm sure we can think of some people in our lives that we look at and we're like, I never thought they'd be in that place. It was a slow fade. It wasn't an overnight deception. Like I said, the enemy doesn't actually come in roaring. It's slow. It's subtle. He has all day. He'll take his time. He's not in a rush to get us to a place of deception. As long as we're taking baby steps, he's fine with that because he knows where it's going to end. And we don't. And we will not be happy with the price, with the far-reaching consequences of it. We can most certainly look at Adam for that. No one had a more intimate relationship, a deeper relationship than Adam did with God. Adam walked with God in the morning. Adam and God spoke face to face because holiness was still there. Purity was still there. No deception had yet entered in. Deception has far-reaching consequences in our life that we will not realize until we are in the full effect of them. Exactly what happened to Adam. He had this amazing relationship with God. He walked in nakedness fully exposed, face-to-face with God until that day, until deception slithered in. I think we're all probably pretty familiar with the story, right? It's in Genesis chapter three, and the devil saw, and this is all it takes, so relate it to yourself. The devil saw a slight door of opportunity, and he took it with Eve. And he only needed that moment of conversation with Eve, a conversation she never should have entertained. Her thoughts were not guarded. The devil just dropped a thought of conversation in her head and she responded and she never should have, but she did. And he just ever so slightly, ever so slightly did the devil change Eve's thinking. When he simply said, did God really say? That's all it took. And that's what happens with us sometimes. We start thinking, did God really mean this? Did God really say? Is that what that scripture really means? And we flip it to what we want, to what we desire. We flip it over to our fleshly area. We start thinking, we start trying to figure out what God said instead of asking God what he said. And we may not have a talking snake sneak in our living room, right? We might not have that happen. Or we might not have, you know, the big red guy with the horns and the pitchfork show up. But we do have thoughts that slither in, deceptive thoughts, or even statements by other people, maybe even other people we look up to, we revere, we respect, and they have made a comment just like the devil did to Eve. Did he really say, did he really mean? And we run with it because it lines up with what we want and we don't even realize we're doing it. We have people that plant doubt from that same place of, did God really say? did God really mean? You know what? When we start asking him, yes, he did. He did mean it. He did say it. He did say, be holy because I'm holy. Yeah, he really did say it. He did ask us to pure ourselves from everything that contaminates our body and our spirit. He asked, asked us to protect our holiness out of reverence to him. Yes, he did say that. Yes, he does expect us to go above and beyond. Yes, he understands it's not going to be easy. It's going to be sacrificial. We have to shut those thoughts down faster than, you know, we have to do what the scripture says, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we have to cast down those vain imaginations, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, the truth of God, and bring it captive, every thought to the obedience of Christ. This means we're gonna have this battle going on in our mind that we have to shut down the minute it starts to not line up with the word of God. Just a few scriptures, right? 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy. Be holy as I'm holy. Are your thoughts, are your uh, considerations And your actions lining up with, this is how you stay guarded against deception. Does it line up with that scripture? Here's another scripture. You have to ask, are my actions, my thoughts, all I'm doing now line up with 2 Corinthians 7.1. Let us pure ourselves, purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Another one, Hebrews 12.14. This is a big one. This is the truth of God. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's pretty powerful. And that's just a few. You can just Google, just Google holiness before God. What is holiness to God? And you'll get a ton of scriptures that come up. Those are just a few. And those are all New Testament because a lot of people will minimize the Old Testament So I wanted to specify the New Testament and they always confirm one another. You cannot have Old Testament alone or New Testament alone. They confirm one another. There was an old covenant and there was a new covenant through Jesus Christ. So how can, oh, here's another scripture actually. Psalm 119.9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? It's simple, simple, but not simple. By living according to the word. Is what you're thinking, what you're considering, what you're doing, line up with God's word. So Psalm 119, 9 tells us what? According to the word, how do we know? What what does the word of God actually say? How do we know things are a sin or not a sin? It's not our definition. It's not what we say. How do we know that? Well, uh, here's a few scriptures that actually list out sins. If it comes anywhere under this category, then it's not walking in holiness. It's not walking in obedience to God's desire in our lives. We are not under his will, according to the word. This is not according to Linda. This is the word of God. Proverbs 6, starting at verse 16, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, so pride; a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood; a heart that devises wicked plans; feet that are swift in running to evil. What is evil? See, we we have a different definition of evil than God. Evil is it's either good or it's evil in God's eyes. There's no black air, gray area. It's either right or it's wrong. So whatever is not good is evil in God's eyes. If it's disobedient to the Lord, he considers it evil. A false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among brethren. It even goes on to say underneath this in verse 20, be aware of adultery, right? And it's talking to a son, you know, uh, don't roam. When you roam, It's going to lead you to a place that you wish you had not gone. I'm not going to go through all of it for sake of time. Another scripture is Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, dissensions, heresies, Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand. (laughs) So basically, I'm telling you now. So now you know beforehand, and I've told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's pretty clear. If anything, we're thinking is opposite of what those verses right there say. We have been deceived. If we are in adultery, we've been deceived. If we are in fornication, we have been deceived. If we are in uncleanness, we have been deceived. Then it goes on to tell us, but the fruit of the Spirit. So, in other words, here we are talking about the works of the flesh. There are all these things I just listed. This is how we know if we go back to that scripture that told us that the flesh and the spirit are warring against each other. If you're not sure which one you're in, it's pretty clear right here in Galatians chapter five, starting at verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident. They are these. The fruit of the spirit is these love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness, self-control, self-control would keep us out of the works of the flesh. Self-control and against such things, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. They're not pleasing the flesh by the things we just listed with its passions and desires. Just because the desire is there does not justify the action and mean it lines up with God because we have the desire. That's not the case. That's deception crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, not in the works of the flesh. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, and being one another. That's pretty powerful, and we're not done yet. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornications, oh, I'm sorry, neither fornicators, so he's talking about people. Are you a fornicator? Look it up. See what it means biblically. Nor idolaters. Are you an idolater? Look it up. Line it up with the word. See what it means biblically. Nor adulterers. Can say it with each thing. See what it means biblically. Nor homosexuals. Look it up. Nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous. See what these things mean biblically and make sure you are not one of these people. This is people he's talking to. He's not describing actions. He's calling people fornicators. He's calling them idolaters. He's calling them homosexuals. He's calling them thieves. He's calling them extortioners. And then he goes on to say they will, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And not that anybody's better than anybody else, because he goes on to say, in such were some of you, but huge word, but you were washed. Remember in that other scripture it said uncleanness, we were washed clean from all these things, sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. We are glorified in God, in our body and in our spirit. Our bodies are members of Christ. They are not our own. We are taking them and doing what we want with them, what we desire with them, when clearly they are not our own and God has intent, God has will, God has order for a reason. He does not want us deceived because he knows the price of deception is high. He does not want us to have to pay that price. He did not want to kick Adam and Eve out of the garden. Adam never saw that coming. Adam never thought he'd be kicked out of the garden. And he didn't know until it was too late that he had been deceived. He had opened the door. He had allowed those thoughts from first the devil, then Eve to come in, and change his thinking. And he went against what he knew the word of God was. He knew, he just didn't call it back into play. Are we checking ourselves or are we doing what we want to do what we want and just simply justifying it? I would implore you today to get quiet before God and cry out Psalm 139, 23, 24 with an open heart to him. And just ask him like David did, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. The way of everlasting is walking by the Spirit being obedient to God, walking in his holiness, walking in his purity, walking in his ways, guarding ourselves against deception, being self-controlled, being alert. That's what being sober in 1 Peter 5, 8 is talking about. If we're sober, we're self-controlled. When we're not sober, we are not self-controlled. Are you allowing God to lead you in his way or are you doing what you want and going your own way? like 1 Corinthians 6 warned us, do not be deceived. The bill will come one day and the price will be much higher than you ever thought it was going to be. You know, there's a song by Casting Crowns. It's called Slow Fade. And I wanna just read you a few words from it. And I hope that you ponder on these things. This is how deception happens. The alarm is not sounded. A horn is not blown, it is not obvious, it is not obvious that we are about to be deceived. The song by Casting Crowns, a couple of the lines in it say this, it is a slow fade when you give yourself away. It is a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray and thoughts invade choices made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. That's so powerful. And so beyond Psalm 139, beyond the searching by God and the revealing and the responding, how do we guard against deception? How do we guard against it? We have to guard against it because it's such a dangerous place when we're in it. Like I talked about in the beginning of this podcast, Once, once deception has set in, the toughest thing about that is you don't, once you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. And it's like Saul on the road to Damascus. You just have to, you know, God just has to show up in a mighty, mighty way. First Peter 5, 8, I I referenced it earlier. It's, it's the vital scripture. It's such a warning to us, be self-controlled and alert. Why? Be sober, be clear-minded. Why? Because the devil is roaming around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. How? Standing firm in the faith. Standing firm in the faith. Lining up with the word of God. Line every thought you have up with the word of God. Renew your mind daily with the word of God. If we don't renew daily, the subtle serpent slithers in and changes our thinking. One baby step at a time. Line every thought you have up with the word of God. When a thought comes in, wait a minute, is there a scripture for that? What does the word of God say about that? Actually, you can even just ask God, what do you say about what I just thought? This is my thought. What do you say about it, God? I promise you, he'll respond. Can you honestly say God agrees with your choice? Yes, then praise God. You're in the will of God. You're walking by the spirit. No, you can't honestly say that, then you've been deceived or you're in the process of being deceived and you're in the works of the flesh and you have to stop in your tracks and run to God because he's waiting. What is God saying about your choices? Is he in your choices? That's another good indicator that deception might be showing up. Do not be deceived. Galatians 6, 7 tells us that. God will not be mocked. We will reap what we sow. Momentary pleasure will have far-reaching consequences. So I'm here to sound the alarm for you. Do not be deceived. If you even think you might be deceived, uh, seek godly counsel, spirit-led counsel, even if it's you don't what not what you want to hear, don't just talk and talk to people until you hear what you want to hear and grab a hold of that and end up in deception. They're not going to pay the price for it. The person that said that's okay, you're going to pay the price for it down the road. Never forget, Adam never thought he'd be kicked out of the garden, but he was. If Adam had stopped for just a moment and compared what Eve was saying to what God had said, He would have never been deceived and never kicked out of the garden. But you know what? He wanted to please Eve. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. And he came in alignment with flesh and deception, and it cost him greatly. So if our thoughts don't line up with God's word, if our considerations, what we are considering doesn't line up with the word of God. If our actions don't line up with the word of God, we gotta get rid of them. We've gotta cast them down quickly and replace them with what God has said. God's promises are always yes and amen. We do not need to compromise for joy and peace and fulfillment in our life. If we do, that joy and peace and fulfillment, which is very tangible for the moment, will be temporal. If we are sure our thoughts and our actions line up with God's word, we will always be guarded against deception, always. And I want to close with reading 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 one more time for you. Be self-controlled and alert because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him and stand firm in the faith. Because you know what, you're not the only one. They, are, they know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings, all of them. We're not the only ones battling. Be self-controlled, be alert, right? The only thing the enemy shows up to do is to kill, steal, and destroy. And he starts with subtle deception. Do not be deceived.